Hi, this is Melissa with Mix In Some Magic. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It is March 1st today as I'm recording this, and I can't believe that it's March. Things are going by so, so quickly. Um, Lots of stuff is happening at the Disneyland Resort. There's nighttime shows are coming back. There's tons of new breakfast options that are coming back finally. They're bringing back breakfast to the Red Rose Tavern, which I'm so thankful for. I feel like there's not a lot of great places to eat breakfast in the park, especially after they reopened with the pandemic. There haven't been very many options and Disney's kind of missing out on those sales. I mean, in my mind, you know that people are there in the morning, you know they're hungry, why not have lots of breakfast options for them? So breakfast options are starting to come back, which is great news. I'm thankful for that. And nighttime shows are coming back, which is also great news. I'm really just so happy that things are starting to get back to normal. And back to normal also means spring break crowds are getting back to normal. So spring break begins sometime in March for a lot of schools, sometime in April for other schools. But March and April, you can basically expect spring break crowds for most of the month. Um, I have a whole post on my website all about March at Disneyland and I have one for April too but the March one I just updated and it's got a crowd calendar on there it's got a whole list of ride closures what to expect you know like what day they close what day things reopen and then there's a whole section on events and things that you can plan for and expect when you are at Disneyland There's also a huge section on the Food and Wine Festival, which is happening, what, I think it starts March 4th. Is that true? Let me check. Yep, March 4th, which is this Friday. So Food and Wine Festival starts this week. I have a little bit of information about it on my March and April post, but then I have a whole separate post dedicated to the Food and Wine Festival on my website that you can check out. There's even a foodie guide that I typed up for you. It's a free printable. There are so many food and drink options that I had to put it on two pages. I could not fit it all on one page. So it's a free printable. It's on my website. You can just print that out as you're heading to the park so you can check things off. I always like to print it out, highlight the things I want to try, and so then I have it there in front of me, which is especially helpful if you are going to order all from one kiosk, which I highly recommend. So you can order all of your food at one time, which is a great plan because lines at the food booths get really long. And if you have to wait 10 or 15 minutes at each booth for different things that you're wanting to try, I mean, that can take your entire day, honestly. But if you want to do it the easy way, you pick the shortest line, wait in it. When you get to the front, you order everything that you want to try that day all at once, pay for it, and then when you're ready for it, you can take your receipt to that booth that has the food item that you want to try, show them your receipt, they will then cross it off the list, give you that food item, and you're good to go. Then save your receipt because that's the most important part of this. 
it doesn't work if you don't save your receipt. So save your receipt and then you don't have to get all of your food at once. I've had some questions about that. You can spread it out throughout the day as long as you have your receipt. You can take it up to the pickup window and get that food item that you have already paid for. So please do that. That will save you tons of time and you want to save time waiting in line wherever you can, right? You really do. Also, the Soarin' California is coming back on Friday. It's replacing Soarin' around the world. I'm excited about that. It's just fun to have something a little bit different. Have the old school Soarin' California back with the scent of the oranges. It just doesn't get any better than that. So anyway, if you're heading to Disneyland at all during March or April, you're going to want to check out my food and wine festival guide and my March or April guide depending on what month you're going. Those are gonna be very helpful to you. I also have updated my free touring plan that I have on my website. So it's all updated for March and ready to go. So if you're visiting in March, you can print that out as well. It just kind of walks you through which ride to go on in which order. If you're trying to get as much done as possible and maximize your time, minimize waiting in line, that will be a helpful resource for you. So you can find that on my website. I will put a link to all of these things in my show notes so that you can easily find them as well. Now, I decided to start a new little segment on my podcast where I read a review that somebody has sent in because these reviews are so important to me. They're so meaningful and I really appreciate everybody who has taken the time to send in a review When you rate and review my podcast, then it helps people find me, which is really important for helping me grow. And I appreciate it so much for all those people who have already done it. If you haven't done it, I would love you forever if you would rate, review my podcast, and if you would subscribe so you don't miss a single episode because I've got some really fun things coming up you don't want to miss. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love you forever. I already love you forever, but I would love you even more if that's possible. (laughs) All right, this review comes from Soaps 2.0. It says, as a huge Disneyland fan, this podcast has been perfect to fill my Disney needs while I can't go there. Melissa is super fun to listen to and is very organized. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Soaps 2.0. I really, really appreciate your review and your kind words. So sweet of you. So late last year, I started a new segment on the podcast called Once Upon a Time, where I kind of dive into the storytelling and history and little known facts of some of my favorite Disney park attractions. And then things got busy at the end of last year and I didn't do very many of them. Actually, I think I only did one, which was the Little Mermaid Ariel's Undersea Adventure. But I really loved it so much, I got a lot of positive feedback from that episode, and so I decided that's something I'm going to start adding in regularly because there's so many Disney attractions that I love, obviously, but there's so many fun facts about all of them, and I love history, I love Disney history, so if I can combine Disney history with my favorite Disney attractions, you know... I'm going to do it and I'm going to love every second of it. Um, I love, like I said, the little fun facts and history on Disney rides and I love pointing them out to people, but I try not to because some people don't (laughs) appreciate being talked to the entire ride. So I thought this is a great way 
for me to share all these things with you. And then next time you experience this attraction or if you experience for the first time, you'll have these little fun things in your mind that you can be looking for, things that you can share with other people if you want, but some fun things that I think you will enjoy. Um, my kids, I have two girls and they're very different. And one of my daughters loves to ride on the attractions with me because I always point out all the things that I know and show her little different things that she might have missed. And my other daughter does not like to ride with me because I do those things. And she's always like, shh. Oh, sorry. I won't say anything. So when I ride with her, I have to bite my tongue and keep quiet because that's how she prefers to enjoy the attraction. So I, it's hard for me though. I have to tell you, <laughs> it really is hard. So today we're going to jump back into my Once Upon a Time series and we are going to be talking all about Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm really excited. You guys are going to love this. I'm going to take a quick break and when I come back, we'll jump right in. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mix and Some Magic. Saving money on your Disney vacation does not have to be hard. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be time consuming because my friends at Getaway Today have made it so easy for you. In one stop, one little click to their website or one little phone call with them, they can save you money on your Disney park tickets. They can save you money on your hotel. They always have the best deals. And if you happen to find something lower, they will price match it for you. Their customer service is top notch and they actually care that you have a good experience on your vacation. They're a family-owned and operated company and I love them so much and I know that you're going to love them too. So check them out if you're going to Disneyland or Disney World. They have Disney World specialists that will help you plan your entire vacation. They'll make reservations for you. They have a concierge that helps you plan every step of your Disney World vacation because planning Disney World is a little more involved than Disneyland and so they are there to hold your hand and help you every step of the way they're amazing so if you're going to Disneyland definitely check them out grab your hotel and your tickets through them if you're going to Disney World it's so important that you check them out because they can help you it's free to have the concierge service it doesn't cost you any extra and it's so helpful they really know their stuff so if there's a Disney World trip in your future and you're not sure how to go about planning for it, this is what you need. You need Getaway Today. They can help you. I'll be heading to Disney World soon and you better believe that I've used Getaway Today to help me with all my Disney World planning needs. They are the best. I will put a link in my show notes so you can check them out. I know you're going to love them. Welcome back. I'm ready to jump into Once Upon a Time, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my gosh, is this the best ride? Might be the best ride. 
Uh, before we get started, I have to tell you that I'm sitting here burning a candle from Morton Co. Candle Company. It's my favorite Disney-themed scented candle company because they have so many amazing scents and they have amazing prices because I've looked at some Disney themed scented candles and they were expensive but these ones are budget friendly they make great gifts and the one that I'm burning now is Waters of the Caribbean which of course is inspired by Pirates of the Caribbean. Do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? I feel like I say both interchangeably and I'm not sure why one comes out of my mouth over the other one. I have no idea but does it matter? I don't think it matters. <laughs> so I'll probably say both during this episode. So we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland today. The Disney World version is a little bit different. I'm not going to say that it's better at Disneyland, but it's better at Disneyland. Uh, except for the queue. The queue in Disney World's version is really great. Much better than Disneyland's. I will say that. Uh, so today, this is specifically about Disneyland, although Disney World is very similar. So this was the last attraction that Walt Disney himself oversaw. It opened in 1967, and it cost $8 million to build. Now, a little while back, I did a whole history on the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. So if you are interested in that, go back a few episodes. You'll be able to find it. But I talk all about the history of the attraction, of building the attraction, and the changes that the attraction has gone through. I'm not going to talk about that this episode because we talked about it before. But if you're interested, head back and listen to that. The queue for this attraction moves really quickly. They can have 39 boats running at a time and each boat can fit 23 to 24 people. So I did some quick math and that means that they can get 3,600 guests approximately on this attraction every hour, which is a ton. If it's running at full capacity, like that is a lot of guests that they're moving through every single hour. So if you stop by, don't let the long line scare you. It really does move fairly quickly. Now, when you're getting in line, if possible, take the right side. So when you get in line, there's a point right after the entrance to the actual attraction queue. Sometimes they have you line up outside the entrance if it's really busy. But when you get inside, you usually get to choose if you're going to go left or right, especially on busy days. So if possible, choose the right side because it is a little bit shorter. I have timed this out every time I go. I think I have a sickness because I have to time wait times and I always like spot somebody who was right behind me or right in front of me when we you know go our separate ways in lines and then I watch them the entire time we're in line to see which of us gets on the attraction first so do you do that probably not it's probably just me it's one of my little pastimes it's my hobby I guess so I have timed this out lots of times almost always the right line is shorter Every once in a while, something will happen and the left line will be a little shorter, but if possible, stick to the right. Now, if you go to the right, you can notice 
there's a balcony above the attraction and if you're on the right side it's a little easier to see this but watch for Walt and his brother Roy's initials in the wrought iron railing of the balcony so you'll notice a WD and an RD if you're looking closely so that stands for Walt Disney and Roy Disney now Jack Sparrow and his friend Red the Pirate often roam the balcony and the stairs on the sides greeting guests so don't be surprised if you see them while you're waiting in line for this attraction. Before you head all the way into the attraction make sure you look up at the tippity top because there is a flag on top of the attraction and at first glance you think it's just the normal American flag but it actually only has 31 stars on it which indicates that it is from the 1850s so we can assume that this ride is probably supposed to be set in the 1850s time period. As soon as you step through the doors into the actual building, then you'll notice the pirate water smell. It's very strong, it's very distinct, and people either love it or they hate it, but most people love it. It kind of invokes a lot of memories for people, and but I don't know, it's like part of the allure of this attraction is this pirate water smell and the scent that you're smelling is actually the smell of bromine which is a chemical used to treat the water so it's sort of like chlorine but less harsh and as soon as you walk in you will see they have the water and there's boats floating by as people are coming off the attraction but then there's a little island right in the middle of the water and it has some sand and some trees and a little treasure chest and it has a post with a bird on it a parrot I think I don't know my my birds very well but there's a parrot I believe and it's sitting on this post and it's kind of squawking and saying little phrases and I have to tell you a few years ago we got in line and we were walking past the bird and this lady was behind me and she was blown away by this bird and she was like can you believe that bird is just sitting there all day and she said that's a real bird how do they get a real bird to sit there all day and just say those things this is incredible and she was blown away because she really believed and this was a grown woman she really believed that that was a real bird I'm sorry to disappoint anybody that is not a real bird it doesn't sit there all day well it does but it's not a real bird so it's not a big deal it's one of the animatronics it's part of the attraction but that just cracked me up all right when you get to the front of the attraction line then you're going to be boarding at Lafitte's Landing Lafitte is an actual pirate who existed in actual history <laughs> he worked for the U.S. Army and fought in the War of 1812 as far as I know. I didn't do a huge deep dive, but that's just that's just what I got from a quick Google search. If you sit on the front row of this attraction, you might get a bit wet. Also, if you sit on the left side, you are more likely to get wet. I'm not talking like Splash Mountain drenched, but a little splash, I would expect that if you're on the front row or on the left. So, be aware. Now, as you're boarding, you can look up to the left. There is a watchtower. And if you look through the little window, it's up. So look up, then you will see some little stuffed animals that cast members have put up there on a little shelf. So keep an eye out for that. Ahoy, mateys, for a 
a safe voyage. Be sure to stay seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat. And watch your children. And remember, no flash pictures. Now off with you. Now that you're officially on the ride, you're going to float by the Blue Bayou restaurant on your right. So this is an extremely popular restaurant. It's hard to get reservations for. It's open for lunch and dinner. And you can tell when you're on the ride why it's such a popular place to eat. It's a very fun, very themed. And if you're lucky, you get to sit right next to the water of the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction while you're enjoying some really yummy food. So it's a fun place to eat if you're able to get reservations. Now, when my girls were little, then they always thought it was Tiana's place after the Princess and the Frog movie came out. And I told them that it was. So every time we would go on the ride, they would say, there's Tiana's restaurant. There's her restaurant. Can we eat there someday? And we'd always talk about it. Eventually, they were able to go to the restaurant and eat but by then they realized that it wasn't actually Tiana's place but it was fun for them to think that when they were little. As you're floating down the bayou you're gonna go past some little houses and you'll come to a man sitting on his front porch in a rocking chair. I always think that this is just such a peaceful relaxing scene and maybe I would like live there someday. I could live in a place like that. Well I don't know maybe not the alligators and the snakes and the pirates it might not be a good idea but it seems like a nice little moment he seems to enjoy it um so you can hear banjo music playing in the background the songs that are playing are oh Susanna" and camp town races so now after you pass this peaceful little scene then our boat takes a turn that will lead us into the depths of a pirate cave but before we head into that pirate cave, we're going to come to a tunnel and above it you'll see a skull and crossbones and the skull is talking to you and he's warning you about what's to come. Avaster, it be too late to alter course, mateys, and there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove, waiting to board. Sit closer together and keep your ruddy hands inboard. That be the best way to repel orders. And mark well me words, mateys. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> so he has two versions of things that he says. Sometimes you'll get to hear both depending on how backed up the line into the tunnel is. So let's listen to the second version. Come seek an adventure in salty old pirates, eh? Sure, you've come to the proper place. But keep a weather eye open, mates, and hold on tight, with both hands if you please. There be squalls ahead, and Davy Jones waiting for them what don't obey. <laughs> as soon as you pass under the pirate skull, you are going to hear rushing water, and you're going to realize pretty quickly that there's a waterfall and you're about to go over it. So there are two drops on this ride. The drops take you down so that you can get underneath Main Street, which is where most of this attraction is, underground under Main Street. So the drops have a purpose, which is why they don't have them at Disney World. They don't dig below the water table over at Disney World because of flooding and swamps and all of that stuff so that 
It's one of the things that makes the Disneyland version a little bit more fun, in my opinion. So the first drop is in complete darkness and it's 18 feet long. And as soon as you come out of that second drop, you're going to start hearing the famous Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me song. And then you have the second drop, which is a little bit smaller, 13 feet, and that one is not dark. You'll be able to see the lights of the cave. Now you might get a little wet on either of these drops, especially if you are in the front row, like we talked about before. In this attraction, there are 630,000 gallons of water. I can't even imagine how much water that is. Tons of water and it takes three days to drain it if they ever need to do maintenance. I don't know how long it takes to fill it. Maybe three days. Is it longer to fill than it is to drain? I have no idea. But three days to drain and that is a ton of water. So at this point, you're going to realize that you are in a cave, a pirate's cave, maybe a cursed pirate's cave because these skeletons seem to be trapped doing what they were doing when they died. So you'll float by a storm with a pirate's crew that's sailing a ship that's really cool. It's one of my favorite scenes from the whole ride. And you'll pass by two skeletons that are covered in cobwebs playing chess. And I don't know anything about chess, but I've been told that the chessboard is set up in a way that neither player can win. So they're in a stalemate, but they're actually dead. So they're in a stalemate that way too. So neither of them can win this game. And they've been sitting there playing it for quite some time, judging on the cobwebs. Next, we come to the captain's quarters and there's a large bed in the center with a skeleton of the captain sitting up in bed and he's examining some maps with a large magnifying glass. Now, I'm sure you're going to notice as you pass by that on the headboard behind him, there is a skull and crossbones. Now, rumor has it that this is a real skull and it does admittedly look different than the other skulls in the entire ride. But I don't want to burst your bubble, but I don't think it's real. I hope it's real, but I don't think it's real. I don't think that they would actually keep human remains. I mean, how would they even preserve them? It's like a wet, damp environment. That skull would be deteriorating like crazy, in my opinion. I don't know that they would be able to preserve it adequately. So... I don't know. I still pretend that it's real because it makes me happy. I tell my kids that it's real because it makes me happy. So you go with whatever version makes you happy. There is so much detail and so many things to look at in all of these scenes. So keep your eyes wide open. Check out the little things as you're passing by because there's so many things to look at. Every time you go on it, I'm sure you see something new. I know I always do. Um, As you're leaving the captain's quarters, then there's an organ playing by itself and you'll see chests and maps up on the wall. It's really fun. Next, we come to the treasure room of the cave, and in here, there's over 400,000 pieces of gold. So obviously, the pirates have been stashing their treasure here and have acquired quite a bit of it. There is a pirate sitting on a huge pile of gold right in the center, and if you look behind him, there's a chest, and if you have a really, really, really good eyes, then you can spot a hidden Mickey on the lock. I have never been able to adequately get a picture of this, but it's there if you look really closely. 
Also watch for the chest of cursed Aztec treasure as you are leaving the treasure room. You might recognize it from the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. One of my favorite things about the treasure room though is the drippy candles. They have these huge drippy candles. Some of them are like tipped over and you can see the wax has just been running off of it and I don't know why but I'm so like in love with these drippy candles. I notice them first more than anything else. So that's one of my favorite things. After the treasure room, you head through a long tunnel and watch for a small scene on the left towards the end of the tunnel. There is a skeleton hanging in a cage. He's holding a treasure chest and there's an octopus on the ground. The octopus is moving its tentacles. I think it's holding a piece of treasure. Don't get distracted by the octopus though, but watch the skeleton because he will magically change from a skeleton in the cage to a flesh and blood man in the cage as you float by. Now, I've taken lots of video of this and when I post about it, there is always somebody who said, oh my goodness, I've been on this ride. I don't even know how many times that I've never noticed that before because it's so easy to watch the cute little octopus. But pay attention to the man in the cage that's one of the most magical little hidden gems on this attraction and it seems to signify the transition from the cursed pirate cave back into the land of the living. As you come out of the cave you'll find yourself in the middle of a huge battle. You are in between Captain Barbosa's ship and a Caribbean fort. So cannonballs are whizzing overhead and people are yelling at each other and if you're lucky or unlucky, depending on how you feel, you may find yourself a little bit wet from one of the cannonballs, especially if you are on the left-hand side. So watch out for that. The ship is called the Wicked Wench, and Captain Barbosa can be heard yelling that he's after Captain Jack Sparrow and a fortune in gold. Next, we enter the village Isla Tesoro, which is overrun with pirates. On this attraction, there are 54 animals and 75 people animatronics, which is the most in all of Disneyland. Five of these animatronics have names. There is Captain Jack Sparrow, Captain Barbosa, Carlos the Mirror, Red the Pirate, who is never mentioned by name, but we do know that her name is Red, and a pirate named Bill, who is the one that's surrounded by cats. We'll talk about him in a little bit. So each of these animatronics has three costumes so that they can be rotated out and they can make repairs or I mean the animatronics are electronic and they have different moving parts and oil and all kinds of things that can happen to them. They get dusty and dirty just like anything else and so they have to have different changes of clothing for them so that they can switch things out so that the attraction's never down because Captain Jack Sparrow doesn't have a shirt on or something like that. So they have three costumes each. So as we come into the village, we first come to the town square and we find out that the pirates have captured the mayor, Carlos, and they are dunking him in the well, threatening to drown him if he doesn't reveal where Captain Jack Sparrow and the town treasure are hiding. Um, we see Carlos's wife up above in a little building. She opens up the shutters and leans out and says, don't tell them, Carlos, don't be cheeky. <laughs> I always love that part. And then a pirate fires a gun at her and she hurries and closes the shutters. Now, I know I said that each um, animatronic had three costumes, 
except for Carlos. He's the exception. He goes through 12 shirts per year because of the water. He comes up, you see him pull him out of the well. He spits a little bit of water out. This water gets his shirt wet and he goes through 12 shirts per year. So Carlos is brave and strong. He doesn't break. He keeps quiet despite being dunked into the water over and over again. And off to the side, there's some other city officials that are tied up watching the scene and apparently waiting their turn to be dunked in the well. Now, it's here just after the well scene that you get your first glimpse of Captain Jack. He's hiding behind some dresses, kind of listening to what's going on and trying to stay out of sight. Next up is the famous auction scene, which was changed a few years back. If you want a full history and description and my opinion on the change, you can go back to the history of the Pirates of the Caribbean, 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 whichever one you want. You can go back to that episode that I did a little while back and listen to all of that. But as it stands now, Red the Pirate is auctioning off stolen goods like hens and paintings and there's a large clock that they're going to be auctioning off and none of the pirates seem very interested in the stuff that is being sold and Red the Pirate can be heard saying, quit your clucking, the gentlemen want the rum. And then you hear the pirates chant, we wants the rum, we wants the rum. Up next is a village scene that also went through some changes a few years ago. It used to be that there were pirates chasing women round and around, and now the women are chasing the pirates around and around. Um, Except for in one case, then there's a pirate chasing a woman, but she's holding a tray of food. So the idea is he's after the food, not the women or the woman. Um, there's also in this scene a pirate lounging on some barrels. He's holding a key and a map and bragging about how he has what Captain Jack is looking for. He has this map and this key and that Captain Jack will never get it. And little does he know that Captain Jack is hiding in a barrel behind him and he can hear everything he's saying. So you see Captain Jack popping his head out of the barrel. This is a change too. Years ago there used to be a naked lady in the barrel. Go back to my other episode. You can hear all about it. So big changes from those two scenes over the last few years. Now, just after those scenes, if you look to the right, you will see old Bill with his cats. He's very drunk and the cats don't look very happy. (laughs) Well, as we're moving forward in our little boat ride, apparently the pirates have succeeded in setting the town on fire because we're headed right towards this raging fire. But... Before we get to the fire, don't get distracted by the fire yet. There's a scene right on the left I want you to look for. There's a trio of pirates singing. One has a banjo and one has an accordion. And then there's one in the middle that doesn't have an instrument. He's just singing, but he's got an orange sash and he's got his hand on top of his stomach and he has the strangest looking fingers that you have ever seen. I count them every time we go. There's only five, but I always think, what is wrong with his hand? It looks like it's been melted, kind of. I don't know. It's very strange. So it distracts me every time, and now it's going to distract you. You're welcome. So keep an eye out for that weird pirate's hand. But anyway, back to the fire. So the fire throughout the rest of the attraction is created using pieces of cloth and lights and fans, and the result is actually very good. It's like a very realistic 
fire effect. There's even been reports that it's so realistic that some guests have actually believed that the attraction was on fire. Now, sometimes when I've been on this attraction, it smells like fire, but not every time. So I'm not sure why it does sometimes and not other times. Maybe I just hit it right occasionally, but sometimes there is a fire smell in this area. All right, next we head into a tunnel, kind of away from the town. We float through a tunnel and find ourselves in the village dungeon, which is also on fire. And this is probably the most famous scene from the entire attraction. So in this scene, then there's a jail cell full of pirates and they're desperate to escape. And just out of their reach is a dog holding the key to their freedom. And they're trying to coax him over using a bone, but he's having none of it. And one of the pirates has a rope that he's tied into a noose, presumably to throw over the dog's neck to try to catch him. Um, so it's a very famous scene, and it's actually recreated in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, too, which is kind of fun. Um, next, we head into a storage-type room that's filled with gunpowder and cannonballs and drunk pirates shooting at each other. It's obviously not a very safe place to be, a room filled with gunpowder and drunk pirates shooting weapons. <laughs> so they're shooting across from each other and you sail right in between them. And it's at this point that we start heading up this huge ramp towards the exit. And this huge ramp is very big and when I was little I remember always being so sure that there was a huge drop at the, at the end. And there's not. So they're just getting you back up to the main level. But before you're out of the ride, you see Captain Jack Sparrow one more time on the left. He is in a room filled with treasure and apparently he has escaped the pirates and found the treasure that he was seeking. Of course, we knew that he would. He's very good at that. Uh, he's slightly drunk, of course, that's what we expect, and he's singing the famous Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, specifically the Drink Up Me Hearties Yo-Ho part. And incidentally, the film characters from the Pirate's Ride were all voiced by the original actors, which is pretty cool. So that's the end of the attraction. We finally find ourselves at the top of the hill, and our adventure has come to an end. The attraction lasts about 15 minutes. It can go a little longer if there's a backup of boats and you kind of have to sit at a certain point for a while, but it's usually about 15 minutes. There are some darker parts and some scary elements, but most kids are usually okay with this ride. They don't find it too scary. There's nothing that jumps out at you other than the two hills at the beginning. It's a very slow, relaxing ride and there is no height requirement so anybody can ride. I hope you enjoyed that little walk through the little once upon a time of Pirates of the Caribbean. I really enjoyed putting it together and like I said it's one of my favorite attractions along with every other attraction at Disneyland minus Roger Rabbit. You will never hear me say that about Roger Rabbit so there you go. Not a fan. I don't think we'll even be doing a once upon a time about Roger Rabbit. I refuse. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said before, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review my podcast. That would be amazing. It really helps me out. It helps people find me. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have something fun and amazing and exciting going on, and I hope that you are happy. 
I'll be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.